by unanimous vote this spring, state lawmakers approved legislation creating the quote-unquote Safe Schools by Design Act, which is intended to promote learning environments that are both safe, secure, and healthy. For more on the issue, we're checking in with the New York branch of the American Institute of Architects, and our guests in the Capitol Press Room are Paul McDonnell, the group's president in New York and director of facilities, planning, design, and construction for Buffalo Schools. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. And also with us is Eric Wilson, president of the Westchester and Hudson Valley chapter of the Institute and a founding member of an architectural firm focusing on school design. Thanks for making the time, Eric. Great. Thank you for having me. So this legislation requires school districts when crafting a five-year capital plan, utilize uh, design principles and strategies that promote a health, secure, and safe school environment, as I mentioned at the top. So I want to start by unpacking how the work of an architect can go about achieving those goals. Let's start with a healthy environment. How can a school design promote a healthy environment? Architects' goals are always to provide the best environment, whether it's an office building, whether it's a home, uh, whether it's a, a hospital, or especially schools. And healthful environment is where students, staff feel safe, comfortable, um, and a great place to learn. So that's what we as architects do. That's what we can bring. You know, and as far as school safety goes, we want to make the kids not only be safe, but feel safe. Well, let's stick with a healthy environment for a second. What are some of the hallmarks of a design feature that promotes a healthy environment? Is this all about round, curved edges as opposed to straight lines so kids don't feel aggressive or attacked by the architecture? I'm being a little facetious, but are there ideas that are that simple that create a healthy environment? Yes. I mean, the, the shape of a space definitely contributes to how you feel in that space. It also has a lot to do with the materials that are used and the quality of the light and the acoustic environment also contribute to the, the, the wellness of a space. Um, architects are uniquely qualified to develop a series of spaces that work together to provide a, a supportive environment for students and staff that contribute to learning and also contribute to a feeling of well-being and community, community involvement. Um, it's also... In terms of security, there's a focus on vestibules and, and, and understanding the egress and the layout of the space so that access and security is, is emphasized by the design. But it also is about how the space is configured, how the space looks and feels. So you're right. I mean, sharp edges are part of it. Glass and steel versus wood and softer materials can make a, a warm, inviting space. And that's all part of what we work on. But there's not, it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Every community, every school has its own unique requirements and program needs. So we look at it each on a case-by-case basis. Well, we've touched on them briefly, but those other two goals of safety and security in terms of the school environment, are those basically the same outcomes or is there a differentiation between those two ideas when it comes to the work of an architect? They can be separate. You know, to provide a secure environment you know, is a protected environment. Uh, safe environment can also be a psychological thing where, the, the, like I said before, the students and the staff feel safe. Uh, there are things where they feel part of the community, where the school is important to them. It's a place they want to be. You know, we talk about school safety, and a lot of people think it's just the threats from outside, active shooters keeping people out. But we also want to be concerned about the security inside, whether it's bullying, whether it's gang activity, 
and to try to suppress those feelings to make people feel like this is their home. And, you know, getting back to the idea of the importance of the architect, the, the architect is sort of the composer of this, where they bring all of the people together. And what I've always found is the best projects, whether being an architect or my role in Buffalo as the director of facilities, is bringing as many people to the table as possible. Uh, when you're designing a school, when you're rehabbing a school, it's not only about the staff and the architect, it's bringing the students in, it's bringing the communities in, it's bringing law enforcement in, uh, it's even bringing some of the political people in. So these buildings, which are civic buildings, which we're all paying for, everyone feels like they have a part of it. But when you have some sort of ownership and feeling of ownership, it's always an asset to someone. Well, then I'm curious, would this legislation with its requirements to consider the incorporation of these design elements represent a major change in how schools are currently being thought about as districts begin their annual five-year capital plans and think about their structures? So, no, um, not at all. Actually, this bill, legislation, integrates with existing um, funding sources and funding systems by provided by SED. The, the five-year capital plan process um, is already in place. All the funding for this initiative and, and the work related to it has already been established by SED as a statewide mandate. So there's no new cost associated with this, and it's just encouraging districts to work with architects on a closer basis to create facilities, to develop facilities and budgets for improvements to their buildings that will help promote a better environment. Well, you kind of touched on it there, Eric, but sort of doubling down on that question, you know, does it represent a change in pace? For example, are schools not necessarily focusing currently on these three aspects, healthful environment, safety, and security, when thinking about design in particular? It's not necessarily that school districts are not thinking about this, but what it is, it sets a focus. We're seeing a sea change right now because of the proliferation of active shooters and security. And what we want to make sure is that a lot of this isn't just vendor driven, where school districts are simply going out and buying metal detectors, ballistic glass, and, and products to try to protect the school. It should be a holistic look at the design of schools. So what this is doing, it's basically reminding the school districts, hey, big picture, let's look at how the school is designed. There's plenty of money available. Uh, and metal detectors may have a place, ballistic glass may have a place, other security things. But when you are thinking of renovating a building, when you are presenting your five-year plan, developing your five-year plan, let's look at the school from a different perspective or perspective, not just securing it. When it comes to these three principles, are they ever at odds with each other? And if so, which one wins out? Yeah, very definitely. Uh, for instance, security. Uh, security, we do not want our buildings to look like prisons. You know, you, you, can, you can secure a building, uh, you know, with uh, uh, opaque walls, uh, with a lot of security issues inside where kids are running a gauntlet or the public is running a gauntlet. Through, so through design, for instance, surveillance, you know, where people can see people who are coming up where you provide compartmentalization inside the school, which is layers of security, where the public doesn't have instant access to the inside of the building. 
These are the type of things you can still have a welcoming building, a building that is great for education, but also secure. So I think that's one of the things that architects can really, really do is integrate all of those because you're exactly right. They can be at odds if it's not done correctly. Without this legislation becoming a a mandate, what are architects doing, I guess, to influence the process of school districts and their future designs? Is there outreach that you can do in the interim or in lieu of this legislation? Or is this all contingent on this legislation getting passed? That's a great question, David. No, actually, architects have been involved for, for generations in this endeavor to make schools safer. It's always been one of our core initiatives. Um, any architect that works with schools tries to develop a relationship with the staff, with the school board, with the superintendent that promotes a better environment. And SED works right hand in glove with architects to do that process. As part of all capital projects, the architects take the lead. So it's, this is not a new role for architects. I just think there's a new emphasis that goes right in line with the needs of school districts to be a safe or more inviting place. So, no, it's, it's nothing new. This has always been happening. And without this legislation, a lot of work is being done. And architects work, you know, they attend board meetings. They go to capital plan development process. They're part of the original bonds that are issued for these projects. So architects are always, always involved. But I think that the, the, the part of this is the school safety teams encouraging architects to be a part of that, encouraging the, reminding the district who easily forget about the architect's role. They think, oh, we, we'll, we'll reach out to the architect when it comes to the time to need a capital project. But in reality, architects should be involved from all the steps of planning of the planning process. So I think this just helps to encourage districts along the right lines to have good design influence the security and safety and welfare, wellness of their buildings. One of the most important things of this bill is that it mandates that the uh, commissioner of uh, state education department come up with plans and guidance with design principles and strategy, strategies uh, to provide a safe, secure, and healthy school environment. So it somewhat becomes codified because state education department is the one that, that really does guide a lot of the design. So what this is, this is a recognition from state education department about the importance of design in security and coming up with some of the guidelines that architects have been developing for years. So without naming names, unless you want to name names, are there any school buildings that you are aware of that you just shudder when you think about uh, the design? And if so, what are the problems with the design? Well, I want to speak of it in terms of design eras. You know, in the 70s and 80s and part of the 60s, a lot of the traditional design and layout of school buildings went by the wayside and there were a lot of new ideas being developed that often create those kinds of spaces you were concerned about where there's angular spaces that are not welcoming, heavy architecture that, that doesn't really in, provide a, a, a warm environment. We have been addressing those. A lot of times these things work together with acoustics and other properties that make a school and a space a good learning environment. So it all works together, but it's more about certain design philosophies that have been used over the years and the existing pool of buildings. And that's one thing to think about in this conversation. We're very rarely are architects allowed to just make a new building from the ground up. Most of these projects are renovations of existing buildings that were designed with other priorities in mind. And architects are uniquely qualified to help guide the development of a space and the renovation of a space into a better environment, both for security and safety and for learning. 
you know, I, I was architect for the Buffalo Public Schools, which is the second largest school district um, in the state with uh, over 60 buildings, 33,000 students. And not that the buildings were nightmares, just the opposite. They're incredibly beautiful civic buildings, but they were designed at a, at a different time. Most of them were designed in the 1920s and 30s. You know, when you had four entrances and exits to the buildings, in fact, you probably see old buildings, they have boys and girls entrances. And in the morning, every single entrance was open. Kids came in and ended up filing to their classrooms. So one of the one of the things that we're trying to do is make them more secure, identifying the entrances, modifying the existing buildings, but still understanding how important those are as civic buildings and buildings that everyone is proud of. They're the center of neighborhoods. So again, it is this almost a dance that we are, are, are going through to try to modify, as Eric said, existing buildings uh, to meet these modern needs. But, you know, we've been doing that forever. Think about fire codes, you know, how fire codes have changed. You know, we used to have open stair halls. We don't do that anymore. And we do it by modifying schools, by improving schools, not tearing old ones down. So this is just simply a, a, a new I guess, effort that architects are going through, just like we'll go through another uh, set of efforts probably 50 years ago or 50 years from now, we, we don't even foresee. That, that's what we do. We improve environment, whether it's a new building or whether it's an existing building. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. We've been speaking with Paul McDonnell. He is the president of the New York branch of the American Institute of Architects. We've also been speaking with Eric Wilson, president of the Westchester and Hudson Valley chapter of the Institute. Eric and Paul, thank you both so much for making the time. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, David. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.